Camp was great. It was awesome. And those of you guys who go, you agree? Okay. But many times, what happens after camp? Let's be honest. What happens after camp? Like, I, I love... I love camp so much. I, like, you guys don't even understand. I grew up, my, my parents were in, in ministry. Actually, my parents were kids pastors. And I spent from the time that I could even remember up until probably about um, eighth grade, ninth grade, high school, my parents used to travel almost every summer. And we would go, uh, and, and, and um, we would go from coast to, we've been from coast to coast, from top to bottom in the United States, and we would teach and preach, kind of like what Joey Silva did this week, but for kids camps. And we would travel, and we would do kids camps. I know how to do puppets, y'all. Like, and we'd do puppets, and we would do, like, songs and, like, fun stuff. And, and so that's what I grew up doing. So I've been to probably hundreds of camps in my lifetime. And I love camp. I love it so much. I've seen God move at camp. I've seen God heal at camp. I've seen God do miraculous things at camp. But so many times after camp, there are so many like mountaintop moments with God. Like camp is like that mountaintop, like spiritual moment with God. And like the worship is fire. The messages were so good. Like they spoke to me so many times. The prayer times with your friends are so powerful. The worship times are so good. Um, and, and, and those of you guys who didn't go to camp, maybe you can relate with maybe you went to a winter retreat or maybe you've even had moments here to where like, wow, I feel the power and the presence of God here in this moment. And we, we have those mountaintop moments, but it never fails, right? You get home. You, 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 you stick your face back in your phone uh, so much of your time, right? And, and you, maybe you get lazy, maybe you get complacent, and maybe you get really busy, and those mountaintop moments just become memories that you had. And, and what happens is you begin to grow complacent. Maybe you guys who, who went to retreat with us this year and who didn't go to camp, maybe like that's, you, you recognize that, you know how that feels. You begin to grow complacent in your faith, and a lot of times you'll begin to fall right back into the temptations that you faced before you had this experience with Jesus. And so tonight, that's kind of what we're talking about. That's where we're going tonight. And uh, maybe for some of you, that's currently where you are. Maybe like, how many days has it been since camp? Three or four days since camp? You're already like in the valleys. You've already faced major temptations. And I think a lot of us probably have that maybe where you currently are. And maybe for some of you, you're, you're still like floating from this camp experience and it was so good. But you know that there's always seasons and that there's always valleys. And this may be, um, maybe for some of you guys right here, you're still on the mountaintop. Praise God, that's so awesome. I'm excited for you. Stay there. But, and so maybe for you, later on, you need to go back and listen to the podcast, like when you're in the valley. And so... Um, but many of you guys know my story. I've told my testimony many, many, many times here in this room. Um, but there was a time in my life where I don't think I owned any, like, T-shirts that weren't, like, Christian T-shirts, right? They had, like, the Christian, it was Christian things on them, um, like, nothing. And, and I told you, I've told you guys before, like, my favorite Christian T-shirt on the front, it said, heaven, yes. And on the back, it said, oh, it said, hell no. And... Um, 
And like, that's the true shirt. I got in trouble. I wore that one in middle school and I got in so, they made me turn it inside out and I got in trouble for that one. I even had, I don't know if you guys have seen the Lord's Gym t-shirts where it's like Jesus, like bench, or he's uh, doing push-ups and he's got the cross on his back. Yeah, no, I don't know. But it's, anyways, um, there's that one. And then, um, and, and then, and then maybe, you, maybe you can relate with this too, you guys who are athletes. I, and when I played football, like you guys, um, you, you would get taped up and all this stuff before, and you would write uh, a marker like crosses and like scripture verses on your tape and all that kind of stuff. And like, I was like this very like, evangelistic, like Jesus guy. And I wanted everyone to know about Jesus. But here's the problem. Like I was high on this like spiritual enthusiasm, but I was very low on wisdom. So I was excited. I was, I was spiritually excited, but like I didn't have much wisdom at that time. And, and I wanted everybody to know who changed my life. So sadly, not long after this season of my life, um, I allowed people and I allowed influences and I allowed different things to influence and, and to dictate my thoughts and my actions. And slowly over time, I began to walk away from Jesus. And for a time, I lost my spiritual enthusiasm. So if you've ever been to that place, and I think every single one of us in this room can relate here tonight. If you've ever been to the place where you've lost that, your spiritual passion, this message is for you tonight. And I think we can all connect with this. So if you're taking notes, I couldn't think of a good title tonight. If you're a title person, um, basically it's this, how to keep your passion for Jesus. And so, um, so this is what we're talking tonight, talking about tonight. And so tonight, there are two different types of people in this world. There are those who let their circumstances influence their enthusiasm, and then those who are let their in enthusiasm influence their circumstances, right? And so, um, so there's those who let what's going on around them determine their mood, their perspective, or those who let what's going on inside of them to influence the climate around them. And so the word enthusiasm, it's, it's um, uh, like... Once again, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Greek, right? And we're going to get nerdy again real quick. So you guys know what languages the Bible was written in? Greek and Hebrew. So we're going there. So enthusiasm, the word enthusiasm in Greek is entheos. En, E-N, means in, I-N. Theos means what? Anybody know? God. So the word enthusiasm literally means in God or to be filled with God, like true spiritual enthusiasm. It isn't something like you work up. It's not like the product of your environment. What it is, is that it's a posture of your heart and your time with God. It's born in the presence of God by the power of God. And so tonight we're gonna look real quick at what the apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verses 57 and 58, it says this, but thank God. Everybody say, thank God. thank God. Everybody say it with enthusiasm. Thank God. Thank God. It says, but thank God that he gives us the victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, 
So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work. And then how, how do you work? What's it say? Always work what? Enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever what? Useless. Here's what I love about this thought. Here's what I love about this verse. It's not what you do that makes it meaningful. It's who you do it for. It's not what you do that makes it meaningful. It's who you do it for. It's not the thing that makes the action meaningful, but it's the intent of the heart of who you're serving. It's not what you do that makes it meaningful, but it's who you do it for. Amen? For example, I used to hate, actually, I I still don't just like enjoy it, but I used to hate making the bed. Anybody else hate making the bed? Anybody like, you've never made your bed? Like, oh, okay. So I used to hate making the bed until, follow me, follow me, work with me on this, until Kristen one day, she told me she likes it when I help her make the bed. So here's the deal. We're small people in like a super king size bed. Like, what's it called? A California king? Oh, just a king, whatever. So small people, big bed. And so now, now, nowadays, listen, nowadays when Kristen says, will you help, help me make the bed? My response is this. I've been waiting for the moment that you would ask me to help you make the bed. And I drop whatever it is that I'm doing and I go and help. And I've, I've learned, I've even learned where all the throw pillows go. You guys, if you want to win, you know where the throw pillows are placed. And so what, I want you to catch this, though. What I'm doing isn't meaningful. Who I'm doing it for is, right? It's not what you do. It's who you do it for. See, when you're, whenever you're doing, um, when you're doing whatever you do, are you doing it for the Lord? It, 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 because when you do whatever it is that you do for the Lord, it can transform the, just the mundane, the meaningless things into something meaningful. So I want to show you a person tonight from the Old Testament. You've probably heard of this guy. His name is David. And he, uh, he, this guy, he was a shepherd boy. He was like a young boy who one day uh, Samuel shows up at his house and he says, hey, I'm going to anoint one of his dad. His name was Jesse. He's like, Jesse, I'm going to anoint one of your son's kings. He had all these sons and he brings them all before uh, the prophet. And the prophet is like, not this one, not this one, not this one. Not goes through this whole list of all David's siblings. And then and then that was it. There were, and, and he was like, hey, there's got to be another one. He's like, yeah, David's out in the field taking care of the sheep. He's like, I can call him in if you want to. So he calls David in, and then he's like, this is the one. This is the one that's going to be the king of Israel. And so you probably heard of David. He was a shepherd boy who became king, and he was filled with entheos. As a king, somewhere along the way, he lost it. You may know the story about David Goliath. How many in this room you would say that is your favorite Bible story, David and Goliath? A couple of us, okay. And, and so what's going on? There was this Philistine army here, and they were at war with the Israelite people. And, and so here's, here's how they would do war oftentimes back in this time. Um, they would pick one warrior from each side. 
and they would meet in the middle and these two people would battle it out to the death and that those two people doing war would determine the champion of the war. And that's what they would do many times. That way it would save people, it would save all that kind of stuff. So they would do battle. And so they would de- declare the winner of the war based on this battle. And so the Philistines, they had this massive giant. His name was Goliath. And, and the, the Bible talks about how, how huge this guy was. And the Israelites, they had nobody that would stand up to this giant. So day after day, the, the Goliath, he would stand down there in the front of everyone. He's like, hey, where's your warrior at? Where's your, and, and like he would talk trash on God and on the people of God and all this stuff. And David shows up and he's just a shepherd, but he's not even in the army at this time. He's just a shepherd boy and he's bringing cheese and bread to his brothers who are in the army. And, and he, he wasn't even supposed to be there. But he looked on with enthusiasm. And I want you to watch this spiritual enthusiasm um, and confidence in God. And it says this, scripture says this in 1 Samuel 17, starting in verse 45. This is David. He's saying, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day, the Lord will deliver you to my hands and I will strike down and cut off your head. Oh, come on. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the, to the birds and to the wild animals and the whole world would know, will know that there is a God in Israel. And so this is young boy David standing up to Goliath. Does anybody know how tall he was? like nine foot tall, something like that. He was huge, this massive man. And, um, and, he, and so David, a, bo- a boy, was standing up to Goliath. And he's, he's saying, you, you defile God's people? You're talking about this? You're talking trash on God's people? I'm gonna cut your head off. Like David is, he is standing up to this guy with spiritual enthusiasm and theos. And, and listen, I want you to catch this in this story. There's no human confidence in this. This is raw, unparalleled spiritual enthusiasm. Because what took place leading up to Goliath, one day David was in the shepherd's fields and he was taking care of his sheep and a bear shows up and and he kills the bear. And then another day, a lion shows up to kill the sheep. And what does he do? He kills the lion. And so he's preparing, God is preparing him for this battle. So the question is, like, where did he get this spiritual enthusiasm? Where did this enthusiasm come from? There was a, there was a whole army of warriors. Like, there was, there was a whole army of Israelite warriors who didn't have what he had. Where did he get that? This ongoing, inner dwelling, like, spiritual enthusiasm. So tonight, the question I want to ask, I want us to ask is, where does spiritual enthusiasm come from? And so I'm going to give you three really quick things that you can write down and that you can remember. Um, First thing is this, trust God daily. Worship God daily. Walk with God daily. Three quick things. Trust God daily. David, he walked with God daily. And he worshiped God daily. What's the key word in all of this? Daily. 
every single thing. Can we go back one slide, I guess? Okay, now that we can see. Keyword is daily. He trusted God daily. Daily, daily, every single day. Daily, he was worshiping God. He was trusting God. He was serving God. He spent time in the presence of God. Like, it wasn't like once a week or maybe even twice a week when he went to his local church um, or, or like attending a service. He wasn't just showing up and singing worship songs maybe once a week or every now and then. Um, it was a daily and intentionally, he intentionally spent time in the presence of God. And this is what gave him that spiritual enthusiasm, that spiritual passion for God. So in David's life, there were two different seasons in David's life. There was one season where he had it, like he was passionate, he was excited for God. And maybe you guys can relate to this. Like he was passionate, he was excited for God, for the things of God. And then the other season is when he lost it. So Fast forward our story a little bit now. So David, is he's now become king. He's defeated Goliath. He's, he served under King Saul. He did all these other things. And now um, he fought in wars, and now he's become king. And 2 Samuel, uh, he's been king for a little while at this time. 2 Samuel 11, verse 1, it says this. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war. And then I just want to fast forward a little bit because that wasn't the end of that verse. But it says this. But David remained in Jerusalem. So at this time, David should have been out to war with all of his men, with all of his people. He should have been out to war. This is what kings do. They go out to war in the springtime and they go fight and they do all the things. But the Bible says that David remained in Jerusalem. He stayed there. He didn't go off to war. David should have been in battle, but he stayed he stayed and this great man of God ended up giving into temptation. See, when he wasn't where he was supposed to be, he did things he wasn't supposed to do. He did something he should have never done and it cost him and a lot of people something that never should have cost them. And, it, and, and it, it lost some things that never should have been lost. And it all started, catch this, it all started when he stopped spending time with God daily and he put himself in a place of compromise. So how did a person with so much spiritual enthusiasm lose it all? How did he, like, and the Bible even says, like, this is a man, God's speaking, this is a man after my own heart. How did David go from, like, being so spiritually enthusiastic to walking away from, or not walking away, but to losing it all? The answer is this. He took his eyes off of his calling, and he began to put it on his comfort. And I think a lot of times we do this. We, we have moments with God and we, we, we have time with God and we have this spiritual enthusiasm, this spiritual passion, but the comfortable thing to do is to go back and to be the people who we've been with and do the things that we've been doing. Because it's uncomfortable so many times to live a life for God. God never called us to comfort. He called us to live for him. And so what David did, he took his eyes off of his calling and he began to put it on his comfort. 
And my question for you tonight is this, which one represents you? Are you, full of, are you full of passion and enthusiasm for the things of God? And it's not about the what, it's about the who. Or do you find yourself spiritually comfortable or complacent? Or maybe you're even here and you find yourself spiritually distant. See, Nathaniel the prophet, he confronted David on his sinfulness. And it took a man of God to step up to him and he confronted him about what was going on and he confronted him on his sinfulness and he, and he David cried out to God in a very powerful way. And I want you to catch this because David wrote um, a lot of the Psalms in the Bible and uh, he wrote this in Psalm 51 uh, verses 10 and 12. He said this, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And then verse 12, I want you to check this out. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Could our worship team come back up? See, what do you do when you lose what you had spiritually? Like in those moments, what do you do when you lose that, that spiritual moment. What do you do when you lose what you had spiritually? You refill, you rejoice, you renew, you restore. You do what you did before. The Bible says this in Revelations 2, verses 4 and 5. And, and Jesus told the believers, he said, he said, you're forsaking your first love you had at first. You've walked away, you let go. In other words, he's saying you didn't let go you left it. You, you know, he's saying, you didn't lose it, you left it. And then he goes on to say this, consider how you've fallen. Think about that. For those of us in the room, maybe you feel distant from God. Consider the intimacy with God that you once had, that you walked away from. And then Jesus said very simply, just repent, change direction, change the way you think, and do the things that you did at first. What did you do? You spent time in God's presence daily, right? You, you worship him. You, you're, you're into his word. You pray. And not out of duty, like, oh, I got to do this again, but out of delight. Like, thanks be to God who delivered me from sin and, and death and, and restored to me the joy of my salvation. See, there's two types of people. There's those who walk with God, grow with God, they trust God, and he gives them spiritual enthusiasm. And then there are those who don't just lose it, but they leave it. Which are you? Which are you tonight? Where are you at tonight? Tonight, if you're in this room and you feel like you've lost it, I want everyone to just kind of close your eyes, bow your heads just for a moment. Tonight, you're in this room, maybe you feel like you've lost it. Like, like how, do you, how do you keep your passion all the time? Jeremy, how do you keep your passion all the time? And I want you to know I don't. I don't. 
Like, it's, it's not natural. It's not like, hey, you're a pastor. Like, you never have bad days. I want you to know that it's the opposite. Like, I feel like I'm under attack even more. My faith gets under attack. My mindset gets under attack. Even my mood gets under attack, and my whole family will say amen to that. So what do you do? What do you do? Well, here's what the Bible says, and here's what I try to do. I go back and remember who I used to be, and I think about who he is, and I think about what he did, about what he delivered me from. He delivered me from sin and death through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then I go back and I do what I did at first. I spend time with him. I let his word strengthen my soul. I worship. I correct my sin. I repent. 